If we haven't met before, my name is James. I'm the associate pastor here. <clears throat> now, when I was in high school, uh, in, in gym class, we would do something that was called the beep test. And the beep test was an endurance test. And so what you would do is your whole class would line up on a line in the gym and the gym teacher would start playing this recorded track and it would, it would start with a beep. And so you'd run to a line 50 feet away. I moved faster than this. Just don't want to slam into that wall. And so you'd hit this wall and you had to, or this line and you had to hit this line before the beep went. You'd turn around, the beep would go and you'd run back to the first line and the beep would go again. And you had to hit that line before the beep went. Because if you didn't hit that line before the beep went, you were eliminated. And so it was an endurance test to see how long you could stay in. But it was also, um, the beeps would get closer and closer together. And so I had a friend in my gym class at that time. And his name was, uh, well, actually I won't say his name. Because <laughs> um, he, was, he was out of shape by his own design. Um, he just was not in good shape. He, he did not take care of himself. He, he didn't exercise ever. Um, the closest he got to sports was playing like hockey on Xbox. He, he got to drive everywhere, refused to walk places. He did not eat healthy. And what his days consisted of essentially was going to school, going home, getting on the couch, playing Xbox till he went to bed, waking up, going to school, going back to the couch. That was his day. And so he just really was out of shape. Now, as guys, um, when we do something, when, when it's particularly like if it's athletic, we like to compete, don't we? We start talking about our score. And so after the beep test in class, we'd be saying, well, I stayed in this amount of time. And another guy would say, I came close. I, I stayed in this amount of time. And some guy would one-up you and say, well, I stayed in 30 seconds longer than you. And so you're comparing. Now, my friend, uh, his score was never even close to that. His score was always low. And so when we'd be comparing our scores, he would say, yeah, I've got a cold just couldn't breathe properly, so I dropped out uh, early. I, I, uh, I twist my ankle last week, and so I, I, just, I still can't run on it yet. I remember one of the beep tests, it was like the first beep, it was like, beep, and he's like, yeah, I'm done. Um, he just, he stopped, <laughs> he stopped caring. But it, it was never his um, fault that his, his, his score was low. It was, I've got a cold, I'm injured, but it was never due to the fact that he just did not exercise. He did not take care of himself. And so in life, we like to put the blame for um, our sufferings or for the hardships that we face on other people. We like to say it's somebody else's fault. Think about when you're watching sports. Um, I'm a Leafs fan. And so I'll be watching the game, and things just haven't gone well. Yes, I know, they've never won a cup in my lifetime. Um, but things don't go well for the Leafs all the time. And so you're watching the game, and things are just falling apart. And what, does most Leaf, or what do most Leafs fans do? We go, the, the officials, those, those refs, they're biased towards the other team. Obviously, they're not calling the game fairly. But it gets to a point where you've said every official in the NHL is biased towards whatever team is playing the Leafs, and you've just got to come to the realization that your team just is awful. Um, but we like to put the blame on something else. Now, in life, we encounter problems, we encounter pressure, we encounter pain in different uh, areas of our life. So it could be emotional, it could be physical, it could be financial, it could be in our relationships. We have po problems, pressure, and pain. 
Now, when we encounter these things, what we like to do often is go, why me? What did I do to deserve this? And in our mind, often we're going, nothing. Um, and so we'll, we'll like to pin those problems, those failures on something else. And you hear this every day. People will say, if the government would just, it's my parents' fault because they, if the school system would change things so that the police are always out to get fill in the blank. And so we try and pin the blame on someone or something else. But when we're constantly struggling through life or we see somebody constantly struggling through life, at some point we need to ask the question, how much of the, how much of the responsibility do they bear for those troubles, those hardships that they're facing? Are they largely to blame for their troubles? Now we're continuing in our series in Proverbs today and the book of Proverbs would say, there is a chance, there's a large chance they might be responsible for what they're facing. Now, as I've said before, as we've gone through this series, is Proverbs, they're not promises, they're not prophecies, they're observations about life that generally prove to be true. And so Proverbs would say, just observing people every day, that a lot of the things that they encounter, those hardships, those difficulties, are of their own design. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 23, it says, Work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. Now, some people hear the word work, and they're like, yuck, don't, don't like that word. They hear the word work, and they think of it as something that is uh, bad, something that is evil. Uh, some people might think, you know what, work is a punishment for sin. We sinned, and God was like, I'm going to punish you with work. But that's not how it was. Actually, before the fall of man, before sin entered the world, there was work. But work became harder because of sin. Now, uh, before the fall, as I said, there was work. In Genesis 1.26, it says, God creates man in his own image. But in those six days of creation, what is God doing? That sounds like a lot of work. Genesis 1.26, he creates man. That sounds like work. In Genesis 2.15, the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. Gardening is work. It's not fun, but it's, it's also work. But God provides Adam with Eve as well. God looks at Adam in his work and he says he needs a helper. There's not a suitable helper. And so he provides Adam with Eve and Eve helps Adam in the work that God has called him to do. And so work is one of the things God has designed men and women to do. Now there's always been people who had, are adverse to the idea of work. They'll do whatever it takes to get out of doing the work that they're supposed to do. And Proverbs would say that these lazy people are sluggards. And so you hear the word sluggard and you're going, what is a sluggard? A sluggard is pretty much what it sounds like. Just like a slug that you'd find in a garden that does not accomplish much in the run of the day, doesn't go very far, a sluggard, as a human being, they don't do much. They don't go very far. They don't accomplish much. They're slow to get to work. Now, Proverbs will say sluggards, first off, they're procrastinators, and they're going to rationalize the procrastination. Their mindset or their motto is never do today what you can put off doing until tomorrow. And so a sluggard will always make excuses not to do any work. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 13. 
The lazy person claims there's a lion out there. If I go outside, I might be killed. Now, to be fair, um, there were lions in Israel at this time. And, and there is a chance they could meet one. But essentially, this guy is saying, there's a chance I could meet a lion in the street if I'm going to do the work I'm supposed to do. Um, and so there's a chance. It's, odds are astronomically high that I won't meet the lion, but there's a chance. So I better stay home where it's safe. It would be like us going... I better not go to work today because I I could encounter a bear out on Dunbrack Street and don't want to risk that. So I better stay home where it's safe. And so the procrastinator or the sluggard creates a reason to procrastinate. And and the the reason sounds ridiculous, but to them, um, it's rational. But some of the excuses we come up with for not doing work are just as bad. I'm not coming into work today because I need a mental day. And somebody pointed out, sometimes you need a mental day. But when it's a Monday and you've had two days off, probably not a day you need a mental day. Um, I was going to go to work, but something came up, also known as the trade deadline on TSN, and I took the day off. Or maybe it's I binge-watched a season of Gilmore Girls, not me personally, on Netflix (laughs) or something like that. but we'll come up with something like that. And so a sluggard's mind is always working faster than their body. There's always a reason for their apathy. There's always a reason not to work. And so they'll fabricate a crisis that prevents them from doing what they don't want to do anyways. And so somebody might say, um, I, I was getting ready for work and I couldn't find my favorite pair of shoes and so I couldn't go to work. Well, obviously, you, you could never. How, how could you go to work without your favorite pair of shoes? I was going to start exercising today, but when I stepped out on the front step, I saw a cloud off in the distance, and I thought, you know what, it it could rain. So I decided I'm not going to risk it. I'm going to stay home today. I'll start exercising tomorrow. And so a sluggard is always creating uh, reasons, and these reasons sound rational to them, but to most people, they're like, are you serious? That, That was your reason for not doing your work So in a slugger's mind, they're not neglecting their duty. They're just delaying it. They're putting it off for a little bit. Now, Proverbs would say that a sluggard has a ton of projects that they've started, but they've never finished them. They haven't completed them because they didn't realize how much time, how much effort it would require to do this project. Proverbs 12.27, Lazy people don't even cook the game they catch, but the diligent make use of everything they find. And so the author of this proverb is saying, a sluggard will go to all the work to set a trap, or they'll, they'll hunt the creature, and they've got it. It's literally in their hands, but then they're like, nah, too lazy, not cooking it, whatever. And they just kind of ditch it. And so the author's saying, you've gone to all the work to catch it, and you're halfway there, but you're just too lazy to complete it. But as soon as I read that uh, and saying how much all that effort was wasted, I was going, man, how many half-finished projects do we have lying around our homes? How many basements are full of half-completed projects? Now, Proverbs says that a sluggard will always take the easy road because the sluggard is lazy. They'll do whatever requires the least amount of sacrifice on their part and do whatever promises immediate gratification. And so as a result of this, a sluggard or this lazy person, they're prone to fall victim to get-rich-quick schemes. They know that they need money to survive, but they don't want to work hard for it. 
And so they'll look for the easy way to get whatever they want. Proverbs chapter 28, verses 19 and 22. It says, a hard worker has plenty of food, but a person who chases fantasies ends up in poverty. Greedy people try to get rich quick, but don't realize they're headed for poverty. And so sluggards will fall victim to some of these things. They'll, they'll send their money to some greasy-looking stranger who promises to quadruple their money in a year because of some scheme they've devised. They'll, they'll, they'll say, what, you'll ask a sluggard, what's your plan for retirement? How are you going to survive after you start working or if you start working and then after you are done working? What's your plan? They'll say, the lottery. And, and they're serious about it because that's, that's where their money goes. That's where they put any extra money they have into trying to win the lottery. And so because of plans like this, Proverbs says a sluggard is foolish. Not all fools are sluggards, but all sluggards are foolish because they believe that they can get what they want without working hard, without putting in effort. And so because a sluggard is so adverse to work, they need constant supervision. They constantly need to be pushed in order to get things done. And so essentially, if you need to nag a person over and over and over and over again in order for them to get something done that they said they would do or is their responsibility, that person might be a sluggard. And as soon as I said that, you're going, man, my husband might be a sluggard. My, my son, my daughter might be a sluggard. And you're looking at them, elbowing them, like, listen to him. Don't do anything till we're done. Um, but Proverbs 6, 6 to 8 tells the sluggard, take a lesson from nature. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Listen from, learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. And so you might be a sluggard if you absolutely need to be micromanaged. If somebody has to tell you the, the smallest things to do and, and keep on you to get it done, you might be a sluggard. And the thing is, a sluggard won't go very far in life. They're bound to stay at the bottom of the ladder. They're content there, though, is the thing. is because they realize that if they work hard, they might get promoted. They move, might move up the ladder. And moving up the ladder means more responsibility, which means more work. And they're like, nah, don't, don't really want that. Now, Proverbs 12, 24 says, work hard and become a leader. Be lazy and become a slave. And so essentially, it's saying, if you're lazy, if you're a sluggard, you're not going far in life. You're, you're destined to stay at the bottom. Now, the question we asked before um, when we started is, are people responsible for the difficult situations they find themselves in, in their lives? Proverbs would say that being a sluggard, it, it can result in hunger, poverty, problems, and pressure. And so it's saying in some cases, not all, but some cases, people are definitely responsible for the situations they find themselves in. Proverbs 19.15 Lazy people sleep soundly, but idleness leaves them hungry. 10.4. Lazy people are soon poor. Hard workers get rich. 15.19. A lazy person's way is blocked with briars, but the path of the upright is an open highway. 
And again, these, these are general observations about life. They're not promises. There can be exceptions uh, to these general observations. I mean, TLC proves me wrong again and again in this. Uh, they gave Honey Boo Boo a, a TV special, and their family is very, very lazy. But in general, Proverbs will say, if you're lazy, if you're not willing to work, you're not going to be helped by it. You're not going to have an easy life. You're, you're going to probably have problems, pressure, pain, hunger, poverty. And so when successful people are interviewed, when, they, when they're interviewed and they say, what is the secret to your success? You'll never find a Steve Jobs or a Bill Gates who will say, you know what it was? It was this, this strict dedication to being apathetic and procrastinating and making sure I constantly put in short work days and always, always taking the absolute easiest way, even if it compromised what I was doing. That's how I became a millionaire. That's how I took my business from my garage to global cities. You won't find that. You won't find that in a biography. And so there aren't many success stories about sluggards. There's not many success stories about lazy people. So we want to ask, what is the source of the lazy person's problem? What makes a sluggard a sluggard? First off, a sluggard is self-seeking. They're number one in their life. They don't have concern for other people. And think about it. If a sluggard is unwilling to work hard and make sacrifices for themselves, they're not going to do it for other people. By default, a sluggard is the most important person or thing in their own life. Sluggards are also pleasure-seeking. Proverbs 21:25. Despite their desires, the lazy will come to ruin, for their hands refuse to work. 21:17. Those who love pleasure become poor. Those who love wine and luxury will never be rich. So a lazy person or the sluggard, they want a life of ease. They want the life of elegance. But, but they don't want to have to work for it. And so they lack self-discipline as well often. And so they'll burn through whatever they have quite quickly because that need to be gratified, they'll, they'll just use it to, to gratify their need automatically, whatever they've got. And so that need for immediate gratification, it leads to poverty. And poverty comes for a sluggard because the sluggard's not thinking about tomorrow. The sluggard's only thinking about today. There's no urgency about the future. They're short-sighted. Now, Proverbs 10.5 says, A wise youth harvests in the summer, but one who, keep, who sleeps during a harvest is a disgrace. And a sluggard will often talk about, and this is a way you can kind of identify one, they talk about tomorrow or next year or next week or next month as the time they'll finally go to work. They'll finally start that project. They'll change their life at some point. But the problem for for tomorrow about a sluggard is that tomorrow is always a day away for a sluggard. Uh, For the sluggard, there's always another tomorrow. There's, There's always the future, but they're not really concerned about it. And so tomorrow is the day they'll start exercising Tomorrow is the day they'll start studying. Tomorrow is the day they'll get up off the couch and start looking for a job. Tomorrow, but never today. And so how do you help a sluggard? Because I think a lot of us know of some sluggards in our own lives. So is there a solution for the sluggard's problem? When we started off, we said, 
being lazy or being a sluggard, it can result in, in pain, problems, and pressure. Um, poverty, hunger, need. And so these are consequences of being a sluggard, but they're also part of the cure. Because a sluggard, by nature, will do things to avoid any unpleasant feelings, any painful experiences. And so hunger and need, it might be the pressure that person needs to get up off the couch and go to work, to find a job, or whatever it is. Now the Apostle Paul says that if somebody is a sluggard, don't keep giving them handouts if they're unwilling to work, because you're only making the problem worse. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 10 to 12, Paul writes this, Even while we were with you, we gave you this command, those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work and meddling in other people's business. We command such people and urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and work to earn their own living. Now Paul in Proverbs' point is basically uh, that lazy people need to learn that the path of least resistance is not the path to prosperity, it's not the path to pleasure. And so they're saying, don't make the path for a sluggard or a lazy person an easy path for them. You need to cut them off. Will they get mad at you? Probably. Because what they're getting, they feel entitled to what they're getting. They, they feel entitled to what they want. Now, we had a guy that would come around here every once in a while for a number of years uh, and he'd, show, he'd walk in during the week and show up in the office. And this was even before I came, he was showing up. And he, the first time he came in, he said, uh, I've got a job lined up for next week, just needing some uh, gas cards and grocery coupons to get by until I get my first paycheck. And so we, we do help people as part of our benevolence ministry. It's a good way of, of helping them, showing we do care about you, but also trying to connect with them uh, to help them develop better spiritually to connect with them on a spiritual level and so we help people and so the guy came in gave us the story we help him out and we're saying we'd love to see you in church at some time to come worship with us he comes back about a month later um i'm starting a job next week just need some gas money and and grocery coupons to get by till i get my first paycheck what happened to the other job that you were going to have uh that that didn't work out but i got i got a job for next week Okay, and we kind of still lay down that expectation. We'd like to see you in worship. Comes back the next time. (laughs) Got a job lined up for next week. Just just need some grocery coupons and some gas coupons to get by until I get paid. Okay, and we help them. And And we say, we need you to engage with us. This is the last time we're helping you unless you start engaging with us. And also, your story's the same every time. And so we laid down that, that expectation. It's like, we need you to engage with us. And so he's like, yep, I will be. He doesn't come. And so we said, we're not helping you anymore if you come asking because you're just, you aren't engaging with us. We, we do have expectations when we do this. And so he comes back and guess who's the only guy in the office and who gets to tell him the good news that we're not helping you anymore. And so he comes in. And he's like, uh, listen, bud, uh, starting a job next week, just need some gas coupons and grocery certificates to get by until that time. And I say, 
we told you we're not helping you anymore because you haven't engaged with us. And for one thing, every time you come in, your story is the absolute same thing. You don't even change it up. Like, be creative. Entertain us a little bit if you're going to just try and take us and, and get, our, get, get help without working. And so I said, I'm sorry, but we're not helping you anymore. How do you think that went over with him? You call yourself an effing pastor? Some Christian you are. This is not what the church is called to do. Not going to help a guy down on his luck? I mean, that's one of my favorite parts of the job is just when people come in and curse you out or whatever. But he did not take it well. But you need to cut them off. And, And sometimes they'll just move on and look for a handout elsewhere. But sometimes it's a wake-up call to these people. And so though it might be difficult, don't keep giving assistance to a sluggard, whether it is a stranger, whether it is family, whether it is a friend, because you're not actually helping them. They need to feel the pressure. They need to feel the pain and the problems that comes when you're not willing to work. Now, because of this, a a sluggard needs to change their priorities. They need to change their perspective. Now, Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 to 39, it says that, or Jesus says there that the two most important commands are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And he follows it up and he says, the other command is to love others as you love yourself. Those are the two most important commands. Now, sluggards are only concerned for themselves. Really, that's all they care about. And so they don't fear God. They don't love God. They also don't love other people. As we said, the default is self. And so sluggards, they make for bad moms, they make for bad dads, they make for bad children, they make for bad employees, students, Uh, they affect the culture, they affect the economy. And so over and over again in scripture and in Proverbs, they'll say being a lazy person, being a sluggard is sinful. It contrasts the sluggard or the lazy person to a righteous person over and over again. Proverbs 13, 25 The godly eat to their heart's content, but the belly of the wicked goes hungry. And so what am I saying here? A sluggard needs to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. Or if they are a Christian, that sluggard needs to have their attitude, their beliefs, their heart changed by the Holy Spirit. Philippians chapter 2 verses 4 and 5, it says, Don't look out only for your own interests but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And so what transforms um, a selfish attitude, one that is focused on ourselves, to an attitude that is like Christ Jesus's? It's the gospel. It's when people accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes into their life and the Holy Spirit makes them more like Jesus. It turns lazy people into loving people, from takers into sacrificers, from self-seeking to seeking the best for other people. The Holy Spirit can transform a sluggard into a saint. And so a sluggard needs to understand that the goal of life is not to be happy. The goal of life is to be holy. The goal of life is to be like Jesus. So the sluggard also needs to get up off the couch and go to work, whether that's motivated by pain, pressure, and problems, or their heart has been changed by Jesus Christ. That's what a sluggard needs to do. They need to learn that what is most important comes before what is most fun, before what is most enjoyable. 
Now, as we went through these verses, you might have been going, man, those verses make me a bit uncomfortable because I see some of that in my own life in different areas of my life. I I know when I was going through this, I was going, man, I don't feel too good about some of these ones because I'm going, that applies to me. Now, you can be a workaholic in one part of your life, but a complete sluggard in another part of your life. You can be a workaholic when it comes to school or to your job, but when it comes to your home life, you can be a complete sluggard and things can be falling apart there. You could be a workaholic when it comes to a hobby, but you could be a complete sluggard when it comes to taking care of your body, treating it well. You can be a workaholic when it comes to physical exercise, but a sluggard when it comes to your spiritual life and taking care of of your spirit. And I'm going to be honest, I think that's where a lot of us wrestle, is, is being a sluggard in our spiritual life. Again, I'm, I, I see this in myself as well. I'm not going, but I'm going as well. And so there's always something else to do. There's something that seems like it's more fun or more important than time in the Word, time in, in worship, time uh, witnessing, time uh, just, just being with other people. And so we need to examine ourselves and see what areas of our lives we might be sluggish in and then ask God to change that part of our lives. And one way you can find out is just ask yourself, where am I experiencing those pains, those pressures, those problems? And look at it and going, am I actually the reason for those things? Am I just lazy in that area? And then if you find that, ask God to work on you there. Now, Colossians chapter 3, verses 17 and 23 says, Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. And I'm saying a Christian's work ethic is part of their witness. Nobody praises, nobody takes note of a lazy person. But hardworking, diligent workers, they get noticed. They're the ones who move up the ladder. They're the ones who gain influence. They're the ones who people say, what is it that makes you successful? They want to know what they do, what what makes them different. Hard work can give you a platform for sharing your faith. Now, please understand, I I, I do know that there are valid reasons for not being able to work, whether it is health, whether it's a handicap, um, sometimes you just can't work. And thankfully, we do have programs in place. We have assistants that help those people out, and I think that is good. But Scripture would say, if you're able to work, don't seek to take advantage of it. Don't abuse those systems, because God created you to work. He's wired you to work, so work well if you can. I just want to ask, What if people sought after Christians because they knew Christians were going to be the hardest workers they would find? I mean, what if universities, when they're looking at their applicants, they'd look for Christians, despite their their differing beliefs that we might have, they would say, I know a Christian is going to represent the school well. A Christian is going to work hard. A Christian is not going to create issues. We want Christian students. What if employers were, were looking at resumes and they were like, we want Christians because Christians work hard. They're ethical. They improve the atmosphere and the environment and the culture in the office. We want Christians. 
What if people, when they came in the doors of churches, they would see people who worked hard, who put them before themselves? How many lives could be changed if we would work hard in all aspects? How many opportunities would this provide us to share the gospel and through it change lives and through it change this city and through it change this world? I can't give you a number, but I can tell you this. Very few people will take life advice from a lazy person. Proverbs 14, 23. Work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. It can be poverty financially, poverty emotionally, poverty of spirit. So your hard work can bring a profit to the kingdom of God, but can also bring profit to people's lives.